0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here as always. with my a good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's conversation. We have so many great questions that get submitted to us from week to week, and honestly, it's hard to keep up, but we're <laughs> gonna go over some of the biggest ones that we think will apply to the majority of us fasters and us folks that are trying to apply fasting lifestyle We're on this journey with you so we appreciate you listening in and joining us today we're going to go over some great questions here in just a second want to welcome in the new listeners if you are new to the fasting for life podcast welcome thank you for giving us an opportunity and hopefully you'll get something valuable out of today's conversation we always want you to leave with one or two actionable things that you can do to immediately go back and put into your fasting lifestyle and i did not say into your next fast or into your next nutrition window, right? But actually into the building of a sustainable weight loss and healthy fasting lifestyle. So if you're a long-term listener, shout out to you as well. You are the OGs. We love and appreciate you for following us on this journey in adopting a fasting lifestyle. Thank y'all for all of the reviews. We love the five-star kind. It tells the podcast uh, world and the podcast gods that we are delivering value to you on a weekly basis. And we're going to continue to do so as we traverse 2023. So Tommy, with that, let's hop into some questions and we're going to reference a couple of previous episodes as well today, because there's a lot of questions that are big picture, but then are also like kind of personalized and customized. And that's what we do inside of our challenges, inside of our coaching group, etc. But we want to give you some actionable things like we mentioned. So we're going to start off with Annette's question and it's a series of questions. One is around the idea of this fasting type, right? So mm-hmm. we like to say that you are not a chronic dieter, you have a habit of dieting, right? Yeah, right? You don't possess the thing that you do, especially when it comes to your habits. You're not a procrastinator, you have a habit of procrastinating, right? That allows right. us to disconnect from that being part of our, our identity and to work on rewiring those habits. So, yeah. Annette asks two part question. I am a gratuitous grazer, so we'll talk about what a gratuitous <laughs> grazer is. Tommy, yeah. self proclaimed, yep. you are the oh yeah ex president <laughs> of that club, and <laughs> I we'll don't talk want about that title. <laughs> that, yeah right. <laughs> you you relinquish that title. Yeah, uh-huh. you've retired it. You've given the belt uh, yep. back as a gratuitous grazer. We'll go through that just a little bit. But in episode one thirty three, we actually go over the three fasting types and we define each one. The weekend warrior, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, through one of the questions that was submitted from Suzanne, and then the fasting freelancer, right? The one that mm-hmm. likes to constantly think they have the willpower to make the decision that's going to serve sure. their long-term we'll goal the moment. We'll I'm speaking from experience on that one. I am the ex-president of that club, and oh, I have, man. again, relinquished my, my title. So and that starts off with, how do I keep my schedule as a gratuitous grazer, and what are strategies for keeping that schedule front of mind and making it a priority? So mm. a great question, because the first key here is you've identified your type, you've identified your cyclical behavior, right? That we're trying yeah. to improve. And if you've read Atomic Habits, then we always try to fix the action, right? That gets us mm-hmm. the reward, that gets us the dopamine and the, that emotional connection to
1: food or whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, The obvious thing, like, I just need to do differently. I need right? to
0: do, do this differently, right? Differently. right. No, we need to fix the cue and the identification here of your cue of what it is. Digging in here and identifying those cues, excuse me, but knowing your type is powerful because it starts that conversation. So the grazer, Tommy, go ahead and unpack that a little
1: bit for us. Yeah, gratuitous grazing is is something that that I I noticed in myself. Not not necessarily like decades back, but. As, as I was trying to like optimize my fasting times, trying to get better at them, trying to understand why some fasts were harder than others, what I realized is that I had a pattern of either breaking my fast um, with something small, something quick, you know, like looking for that, that just consumption, that, that ingestion. Like I, I enjoyed the action. Of getting something kind of snacky it could be from the fridge a lot of times it was from the pantry so we joke about like a a revolving pantry door if you will or like the the fridge doors are always open because it can feel like once that nutrition opportunity window is open it can be hard to close it because it's like oh just just one more bite one more crunch one more one more sip you know whatever it might be these kind of encompass a lot of the the grazing tendencies well we weren't really designed for grazing and it can be really hard to, to be consistent with our fasting with a whole lot of grazing. It also leads to large spikes and large swings in our insulin and our blood sugar levels, which is, which is obviously a problem as well. So understanding what that means and what the. The flip side of the coin is whenever i go to set my fasting timer it can be hard to commit to that next fasting timer it can make my next fast feel a little more difficult and those those things add up over time makes it a less enjoyable process slows my results down and is frustrating along the way as well right
0: yeah i would say it's not necessarily the big spike in the insulin or the blood sugar it's the consistent elevated level because there's Mm -hmm. a consistent source right so It's characterized. (laughs) Yeah. The taste, the splash, the bite, the lick, the sip of all your favorite things, the leftover food on your kid's plate after you made them breakfast and they decided not to eat it. The donuts that your coworkers (laughs) brought in, the have to have it in your coffee. The question we get all the time, Well, can I, what can I put in my coffee? Well, if you're fasting, nothing. Yeah. Well, is that sustainable for you? I don't know. That's a conversation you need to have, but technically yes, it is breaking fat. I know Dr. Fung says 50 calories or less. Okay. We're not having that conversation today. That's littered throughout these episodes, but sure. it's the leftover sausages. Right. Like I mentioned on the kid's plate, the lunch they didn't eat. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Looks like, so oh, good still. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want it to go to waste. This right?
0: Jelly sandwich on homemade sourdough with yeah. natural jam preserves. Like, Ooh, no, like, wow, that sounds great. I hate right. wasting
1: so, stuff, especially after you pay, you paid for it, you know, right. it's like, ah. yeah.
0: the extra glass of wine or the second plate or the second serving, right or that I'll just have one Oreo cookie. So all of that stuff elevates like the result, revolving pantry door, like you mentioned, right? So yeah. a couple of things you can do is once you've identified it, like Annette has, it's like, okay, what are the strategies for keeping consistent? Well, some actionable things you can do is being gracious with yourself, but knowing what it is that you're doing. So identifying what are the things that I go to? What are the things mm. that I habit I habitually subconsciously just go to. Like, what are those patterns? For you, it was the pantry door or breaking the fast in the pantry. For me at one point, it was the kids' examples, right? The lunch on the way home, the the sausages from breakfast, all those little things. It was also the second or third craft beer on a date night, which Uh, alcohol for me is much less these days, right? So identifying those. And then sometimes you need to see it. Like when, um, I don't know if this is good or bad for dog training. I have no idea. We have three dogs and had the first two trained and then we had kids and all the training went out the window because we didn't right. stick with it. But like when you show the puppy where he pooped, right? Yeah. Like I don't think that's the way you train them, but you know that old adage, right? Yeah, so we got to kind of stick our nose in it, so to speak. So you need to know where it's coming from and sometimes you need to see how much. So I'd encourage you to almost mm. track what it is when you notice that behavior. And then the second yeah. thing is is really the up. big one is the changing of the environment, right? So yeah. what is your if then planning? If this happens, then what are you going to do, right? I know you said like, keep busy. There's some other things that you do, but maybe yeah. you don't have to buy that thing that derails you for a while. Well, how do you know what thing it is? Well, you have to identify it first.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's where it starts. I mean, you can make good decisions when you're actually, you know, choosing those foods and putting them in your, in your cart. You're at the grocery store. And you for know, now,
0: w- yeah, we don't need, we're not going to preach restriction and omission and and different, you know, this macro group's terrible for you. And this one's, bad. it's all, yeah. it's all relative to the situation and what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. So for now, don't buy the thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and if Insulate you used to yourself. buy, if you used to buy two or three of them, maybe just get one. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Like, especially, or like being realistic with yourself that if if I open the bag, I will be having more than one from the bag, you know, right? Like Boulder just, Canyon, salt and pepper, so potato chips. They're so good. I, I don't buy them. Yeah. Oh,
0: I'll get them for the kids' lunches. No, you won't. I mean, <laughs> one bag like, hey, like, dad, where'd they go? <laughs> yeah. One bag's like 800 calories. So it's not the end of the world and it's just potatoes and avocado oil and salt and pepper. Yeah. Right. But that's not good to have three or four of those in the house every week, maybe once a month buy them. Right. So that's just a little perspective shift there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like not going to the grocery store when I'm hungry, right? Like, like that's, that, that seems so obvious, but we do. In the beginning it's not. Yeah. And we do literally make better choices when we're there, you know, like, like feel good. Don't, don't go in there all, you know, craving and, and feeling snacky and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's where the decision process starts, but then being real with yourself, being okay, reflecting when you have a moment of those, those grazing tendencies, when they kind of come up and going, okay, what actually incited this behavior? Did I feel something that I feel stressed or bored, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, stressed, right? The halt, the BS and, mm-hmm. and, if, if I felt one of those things, where did it actually come from? Can I do better with it next time? Knowing that these things are going to come and go, right? Like emotions come and go, but they tend to follow similar patterns. So knowing what caused them means I could potentially interrupt them more quickly next time and then change the behavior pattern. So once I, once I do that, then I can, I can find it easier to actually stick to my fasting time that I committed to beforehand. And if I do find myself grazing during a nutrition opportunity window and I'm having trouble setting, setting my actual timer, then just setting a short timer to kind of get out of the, out of the situation and maybe going, doing something a little bit more, you know, productive or constructive or something outside of the kitchen or whatever that, that environment is. is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Just for you remove yourself from that situation, set a short timer. And then once the kind of like the emotion passes and the craving passes and I, I get a little bit more like level-headed with it, if you will, then it can be easy to go, okay, yeah, I, I see what I did. I, I don't necessarily wanna do that again or I wanna do it differently next time. And then if you're if you're ready, then actually set your your real fasting timer. So you can commit to it at that point. I can- Clean boundaries can to, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, cut it off right there, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, clean boundaries, I like that. Clean boundaries. Annette had a second question part to that. So if you're wondering about fasting types and those some of those those habits or the fasting identity, we like to call it, go back and listen to episode 133. It outlines Mm -hmm. all three fasting types. We're going to talk a little bit about weekend warrior here because it's kind of layered in one of these questions coming up from Zan in just a second. But Annette's second question was, how do I build up to longer fasts? And this question came out of our most recent challenge, the February challenge, and it was the genesis of the new blueprint to fasting for fat loss. Mm-hmm. So we have our insulin assessment, we have our fast start guide, right? How to put OMAD into your day-to-day fasting life. What we realized is there's, there's a lot of in-between, right? On-ramps and off-ramps, especially if you're here in Houston, you know, the mm-hmm. the width of the highway, <laughs> right? It's like 25 plus lanes wide with frontage roads and U-turn right. loops and <laughs> And, and roundabouts and, and not roundabouts, those things, where the, the lane on the left where you can just go under the overpass and go in the opposite direction back on the oh, front of yeah. the I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Then you've got on-ramps and off-ramps. And then if you got to go right to go left and it's like, this ramp's a left exit and this, the high speed lanes over here, right? So there's a lot of it's different variations of, okay, well, what's your, where's your starting point? What's your comfort level, right? So mm-hmm. we created and just released this year, I believe it was the third week in January, the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. It's a free resource. You can go grab it, go to the show notes, click the link in the show notes, download it. It's a 20 page PDF and it talks about all of those little nuances, all of those, you know, things that I tried to probably clunkily explain with the analogy of the Houston <laughs> road system that we have here.
1: But no it, it talks you about, are. yeah, yeah how, the importance. How to get, how to get somewhere important.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the importance of, you know, what do you put in your window? How do you build up to your fast? What does a fasting schedule look like? And there's some examples in there of how to build on those fasting times. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, is though you've got some work to do before you start there. You can start building your fasting times, but the resource is really designed to give you a big picture and then allow you to personalize that for you. So if you're looking for that, if you've been fasting, you're looking for more consistency, go grab that free resource. It is in the show notes, just click the link. And we'll zoom it across the interwebs into your email and you will have that. And that will help, um, you know, kind of build up. So just as a big overview though, of how to build up to your longer fast is really beginning with the end in mind, looking at what your weekly schedule looks like, looking at what your fasting habits or your fasting type is, Mm -hmm. and then learning how to consistently start and stop your fast, which is to set your timer, to stick to your timer, and then to break your fast intentionally inside of like what we like to call an eating or a nutrition window and yeah. the only way to build up to longer fast is to literally go through the repetitions
1: mm. yeah that's I, it I, I, <laughs> slowly those, increase right yeah yeah go and going through those repetitions like knowing knowing why you're doing it too like why right. why is this why is this fasting lifestyle important to me those those help In those moments of committing to my fasting timer and in those moments of like gratuitous grazing, like walking across, you know, walking by the pantry door and, and like those little moments, you know, that all add up over time to determine what, what our actual results are, how we're feeling and, and how much we're enjoying the process of, of this as well. Like maintaining control over your health is like, it's awesome, but it's not, it's not always just fun in the moment, you know? So Having having that perspective on on why I'm doing it and why this this is important to me, it like it really matters.
0: Hey, y'all! I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently, um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's AirDoctorPro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, Fasting for Life to receive up to three hundred dollars off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two year old, has not slept consistently through the night. We are grateful for you listening in and now back to today's episode. Yeah, that was to put a bow on Annette's kind of series of questions. There was, well, how do I keep my schedule as a grazer? How do I increase my fasting times? You know, how do I break the old habits, right? Well, Mm -hmm. you need to be anchored to something greater than the number on the scale.
1: If you're just losing
0: weight because your doctor told you to lose weight or because you know, it's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. That it's good for you. That's only going to last so long with willpower right? Yeah. Or won't power, right? The avoidance yeah. power. Oh, I won't eat that. Oh, I'll say no to that. Oh, I'll, yeah. right. No, it's the, I want power. That's what keeps you going in the moments yeah. where it gets tough is, or do the I plateau want. is, or the scale is, or the inconsistency is. It's anchoring to that greater why. So why do you want to lose the weight? And that's a, that's a personalized kind of journey. You got to kind of pull those layers back, mm-hmm. right? I want, to lose weight because, and then I want to lose weight because, and you just gotta keep kind of going through that until you get to something that actually excites you to continue on this journey. Because there is no end to the journey. There's only one dire end, right? (laughs) Beginning with the end in mind. We have a lot to do in between. So there is no, once you reach that weight goal, it's more about the process than the result. And that's where we get messed up. So, Annette, I wanna encourage you to kind of dive into a few of those things, grab the resource, and then um, really work on the, that identity of what you're doing when you're grazing and why. And I think mm-hmm. you're going to really get some traction there. So I want to transition to a second question from Suzanne, which is, uh, she said, I'm really still struggling with binging around the weekend. So we call this the weekend warrior. This is actually... Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the most common fasting types of the three that we found in thousands of people going through our challenges and tens of thousands of messages and conversations and emails over the last few years and millions mm-hmm. of downloads at this point, right? Of our, of the podcast. Yeah, There's really three main types and the weekend warrior is number two. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But she said last weekend, I did not binge, but then binge on Monday and Tuesday, the last two days of the challenge. This is another question that came out of the most recent challenge we did in February was feeling tired and is disappointing that I did not finished the way I wanted, my cravings were strong and seemed to find fasting harder now, here it comes, that I'm doing F45 five days a week. Mm. I'm really enjoying it though, but yeah. any advice w- would be great as I really feel awful after just giving up on the plan, drinking the wine, eating the kebabs and chips, etc. over the weekend. And she mm. said, thank you. So an incredibly layered question here. And I am so right. grateful that she submitted it. And we, we really wanted to highlight this one because this can apply to so many of us us yeah, absolutely. on this journey <laughs> i just started a peloton challenge with my wife okay awkward pause not my not my bag not my thing yeah. okay put me on a, a concept two rower or an erg and i'll go for days um, I like kettlebells. I like some body weight calisthenic type stuff. I don't like doing the heavy yeah. weights anymore, and I really don't like sitting on a really uncomfortable hard seat. Um, <laughs> Pedaling away, not my thing. I'm, it's becoming my thing. But what I realized yeah. is when I started that program is that I was really under mineralizing, trace mineralizing myself, and salting myself when I started uh-huh. this challenge. Yeah, um, my performance was really weak in the FTP test. If you're familiar with Peloton. I had the same output as my wife, yet I'm about 60 pounds heavier and have about, I don't know, 50 to 70 pounds of muscle, more muscle on my frame than she does. (laughs) Tree trunk type legs. Um, And uh, I, I should have a much higher output, but my current cardiovascular health does not, does not even compare to my wife's uh, level of, you know, zero visceral fat, incredible metabolic flexibility, and just, you know, really, really healthy when it comes to cardiovascular and VO two max, right? So Mm -hmm. we're not in the same category. My lungs have always been my weak point. I tell you all that because I have had to alter my hydration and my plan, especially when I was behind due to traveling and I had to do back to back rides to get caught Mm up because, she is pulling a little bit of competition out of me. I'm not very competitive when it comes to this stuff. She is super hyper competitive. Yeah. So good yin and yang, good opposites. But right. um, so I was getting behind due to travel and I was like, no, I'm not getting behind. I'm going to do this. And I did two workouts. And what I found was I was a lot hungrier after that second workout because I got into an anaerobic state where my body needed glycogen. It needed glucose for energy mm. because of mm-hmm. the duration of the ride. So. I'm telling you all this to frame out her question, is that sometimes the exercise can be detrimental to the fasting Mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. One, it can increase your hunger and cravings, which she's noticed when she started doing F45 five days a week. I've never done F45, but I know they have cardio workouts, they have strength workouts, they have hybrid workouts. It's it's five days a week, right? And it's longer duration getting into that anaerobic state. So if you're not fat adapted and you're not hydrating and using trace minerals. So on the days that I ride, I actually double my salt intake through Redmond sea salt, Mm. through relight, which is an electrolyte powder that I take post workout, and then my, not my water intake, but my trace mineral intake on those days. And my performance has been that much better because I'm not flipping the switch. I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to sustain ketosis and to be fat adapted during those longer workouts now. But Mm. the first couple of weeks I was realizing that I was doing it all wrong and it wasn't serving my weight, my, my visceral fat loss goal. Yeah. So this isn't about me, but that's the pre that this is the, like the, the, the framing and the thought shift that Mm. takes place. Cause when Suzanne asked this question, her workouts now require a different type of fasting and eating schedule if this is her sustainable plan. sure, And it may not be, but she needs to try some of the things. And we'll give you some of those examples here.
1: Man, and that can also be tough because depending on what your meal timing is with your exercise timing, then you can have the issue of now I'm, I'm going in, it's getting close to breaking my fast. Maybe it's for lunch or for dinner. I had an early morning workout and I could still... Be feeling that effect of like that crazy ravenous hunger, which mm-hmm. is, which can make, uh, make me overconsume in the moment, you know, to, cause I'm kind of like chasing that feeling of man. Like my, my hunger hormones are just, they're out of control. I burned through, you know, 200, 300 calories this morning. My, you know, my blood sugar went, my went lower because depleted. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, your body's telling you we need to refuel. But at the same time, if if you're looking to tap into longer term fat stores because you're on a fat loss phase in your journey, that can be counterproductive at times. And so so understanding that and maybe, you know, the fact that we have five days a week here of this pretty, you know, this intense working yeah, out,
0: longer duration, more intense workouts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe five days is a bit much to you know, that's kind of like it's also Service. kind of like yeah, it's kind of factoring in on on that weekend warrioring too. What if this is like Monday through Friday? And then all of a sudden like Friday hits and I'm like, Whoo, okay, I've been I've Made been on I deserve all week. This. Yeah. I've been on all week. I've been white knuckling it, right? And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Friday night comes around and and it can be like, okay, that that's a, a switch flips, right?
0: Yeah. So two things here. One is the weekend warrior fasting type again, episode 133. So this is where you increase your calories, more satiating, a palatable type foods, Mm -hmm. um, more opportunities for intake if there's alcohol involved. Right. So the Friday happy hour turns into the Friday night ordering food, which turns into the Friday night drinks, which turns into the increased cravings on Saturday, which then turns into more food decisions and more opportunity.
1: Sure.
0: And then you end up looking back and weighing in on Monday going, what the heck? Here I am again. Why did I redo this, this, why why am I stuck in this pattern? Right? So the weekend warrior is very common, especially since the society is Monday through Friday, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. For for most
0: frontline workers are different, obviously nurses, firemen, Mm -hmm. doctors, et cetera, but it's, it's very schools Monday through Friday. Right? So three things you can specifically do for the weekend warriors, front load the week with your cleaner, longer fasts. Um, on days that you have th- more opportunities, special occasions, football games, Super Bowl that just passed, Valentine's Day, don't break your fast in the moment at the event. Break your fast ahead yeah. of time. I and mean, you just did this recently with the steakhouse example, Tommy. Mm-hmm. And then before you make the decision, do the five, four, three, two, one exercise. And we talk more about this on that episode. But count down from five to one, wait for 10 minutes before you order the next drink or have the next bite or get the bag of chips or insert that weekend warrior trigger, the I deserve this, right? Because it's not serving your long-term goal. Um, And I know that wasn't the main component here. So I want to go back in just a second to highlight one more thing. Because when you said white knuckling, it triggered a thought. But maybe next week, try the F45 for three days a week. or Tailor your fasting schedule to more of an ADF type schedule, mm-hmm. right? Where you're actually able to have a open, like an eight hour nutrition window one day, you know, con- consume, add libidum, uh until satiety, right? Healthy food mm-hmm. choices. And then on your fasting day, you still have the opportunity to have that small meal, right? Which is called modified alternate day fasting. So yeah. there's a couple of different ways to try this out getting more fat adapted i would say back the workouts down be more strategic with your meals increase your hydration your minerals your trace minerals your salts etc and -hmm. you should notice that those cravings should decrease but that weekend warrior tendency like you pointed out is also kind of layered in this question as well
1: yeah and if if you if you felt like you you did that that modified alternate day and then you still had your your workout on on one of those um, like 500 calorie days, then you could you could still time it to where I would personally have the the small meal probably an hour or two before the workout if I could, so that I didn't have to actually like break a fast with that ravenous hunger. Right, but with that hunger, to, yeah. Yeah, but to your your example, what I what I was pointing out when we were talking beforehand about the the steakhouse, what what helped me was like grabbing a few almonds and some crunchy raw vegetables to kind of like. So, so I, I wasn't walking into a restaurant with that ravenous hunger. And so whether I'm just breaking a fast, like normally, or if it's after an intense workout or something like that, then either way it, it works to kind of like, just calm down the hunger signals, calm down some of the cravings. And then I can make reasonable unemotional unlike unfueled (laughs) decisions, you know, whenever I, I actually sit down at the table, but what, what were you thinking about for the white knuckling though?
0: Yeah. One more thing on the workout though. So we have a, we have an episode where we talk about fasted workouts versus fed workouts and the net Mm. 24 hour benefit is the same amount of fat loss. So the point is here is figuring out what and how it works for you. So we are going to do another updated episode recently in the, in the near future about the cortisol and the HPA access and growth hormone effects of different types of workouts mm-hmm. and what you should, what we recommend and what's worked well for us and some of the, uh, our folks that work with us um, in terms of being during a fat loss phase versus a maintenance phase. And that's one of the questions about maintenance here and about fasting schedules or maintenance here we'll get to. So
1: yeah,
0: I just want to clear that up. So go back. We, we have an episode on fasted versus fed. Takeaway is figure out what works for you. What do you enjoy? Because that's the sustainability piece. Whatever you enjoy more is what you're going to continue to do. And she seems to enjoy it. But we need to tweak a couple of things. We so either change your fasting schedule, up your salt, mineral take intake, and then plan those meals a little bit more accordingly. The white knuckling piece, Tommy, reminds me also is that females during childbearing years and going into peri and premenopause really making sure that we are listening to those hunger cues, especially during day 21 through 28, and for some women, day 23 through 28, depending on when ovulation takes place and depending on the types of cravings. Because when Mm. progesterone spikes, right, we want to be making sure that progesterone has enough substrates, which are carbohydrates, not Mm. sugar-laden, processed-laden, refined processed foods. But natural starchy vegetables, natural forms of carbohydrates, right? Less refined, less processed. Those actually help build and increase those healthy progesterone levels, which results in healthy cycles. So when you're white knuckling it, this is something we hear from a lot of the women inside of the coaching group is, man, it's just, man, that week leading up to my cycle, it just, whoo, it is hard, right? right. Because yeah. that's not the time to be doing extended fasts. That's not the time to be severely calorically restricting. That's not the time to be doing that. That's the week where you open up your window, you get more, you know, satiating nutritionally supporting foods, and you help build that progesterone level. So that might be part of this as well. Because if you are, if you, are, you know, burning the, the high HIIT anaerobic type workouts
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's day 21 through 28 of your cycle, You are going to be pushing a giant boulder up a hill and you are absolutely going to give in on either Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or Wednesday, Thursday, or maybe not Monday this week because of when the cycle falls. But maybe it's, maybe it's day 24 through 28 this time. So we want to create those consistent patterns. So the white knuckling thing made me think, ah, okay. Also not the time to be pushing those fasting windows and pushing those workouts
1: so yeah going going against your physiology means yeah some of the mental stuff we talk about is is so much worse too right yeah and then that weekend warrior just gets conflated even more yeah magnified absolutely you made
0: it through the few days but those weren't the days to be really pushing it so Mm -hmm. suzanne absolutely appreciate that question had a question come in about from maria about could you make some suggestions to fasting schedules to those of us who are. At or very close to our goal weight? What would that look like? So, this speaks to folks that have gotten results with fasting and now they're in that mm-hmm. adaptation or that lifestyle adaptation phase, that cultivation of it, that sustainability piece, right? Yeah. And it's a great question. So, this is very personal to your lifestyle and how you live, right? Yeah. And the analogy I like to use is you just went to a steakhouse, Brazilian steakhouse, right? For a celebration for a birthday. I did. Um, if you Loved were a it. vegan, and or a vegetarian and the company Christmas party that year is at a steakhouse, are you going to go in and just start eating meat? Yeah. No, you're probably (laughs) going to talk to your boss or your coworker and say, Hey, do they have other things for me on the menu? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to give up your core values and beliefs and your lifestyle in that moment because of the situation, right? So with this maintenance has to be a beginning with the end in mind and a trial and error. So we'll just share a couple of maintenance type schedules for folks that have lost the weight or that are very close to their maintenance goal and what that looks like for sustainability
1: yeah and the the example here that i wanted to start with was just the fact that a lot of times people will come to fasting you know using a 16-8 oftentimes uh using a a 16-hour fast with an eight-hour eating window and so that oftentimes kind of becomes the the gold standard or the the first introduction to fasting for a lot of us and then we kind of think about it as far as fat loss goes, or we may not necessarily think about it as far as maintaining the results and it, it can be a way to maintain results for, for some people, but at the same time, like for me personally, it's too much. It's too much of an open nutrition opportunity. Now, like we talked about earlier, I identify with gratuitous grazing. And so that makes for an even, even rougher time trying to maintain results with a very wide open nutrition opportunity window. So for me personally, I like a a shorter window. So a place to start would just be to like especially if you you did OMAD, let's say for for weight loss results and now you want to maintain those results, well, don't open it up too quickly. You know, maybe start off with with a 2 or a 3 hour, maybe a 4 hour nutrition opportunity, but that's plenty of time for me personally to feel good and to maintain, you know, my results.
0: So, for clarity, there because this is another question that came in that was related to uh, this is from Vicky: Are longer fast, longer than 23 hour OMADS necessary for fat loss? Why mm. doesn't OMAD work for fat loss after a certain point? So, wow. That's good it it's, it it relates exactly to this. Well, what does maintenance look like? Yeah, for some folks, it's one meal a day. For other folks, it's sixteen eight. What is the scale telling you? How do you feel? What's your energy? What's your libido? How's your blood work? What's Mm -hmm. your body composition? Are you working on body composition? What phase of life are you in? Right? So it really is that personalization piece and OMAD can be a powerful fat loss tool, but it can also be a a good maintenance tool for some as well. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to answer that second question just yet, but back to the maintenance piece is for fat loss versus maintenance, OMAD can be powerful. Now, if we're talking strict definitions of OMAD, it's one meal. Yeah, But some people look at OMAD and go, oh, well, I have a two, like you said, a two or a three hour window. So if you're going from a strict one meal, 30 minutes, intentional eating, you're, you eat to your satiated 40 to 60% of your calories, you're hydrated well, you're in a fat loss phase. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I reached my goal weight, back to three meals and snacks a day. Right. <laughs> no, even with consistent fasting and ramping out of it, you're still going to see a, a 30 to 40% regain. Cause of mm. the glycogen and the, the water and the different variations in the scale. Cause we know the scale isn't telling us weight loss day to day, fat loss day to day. It's telling us weight loss, which is hydration, sleep, bowel movements, sure. stress, all that kind of stuff tied into what that scale is going to show you, food decisions in the previous window. So you would want to, like you said, Tommy, open up your window a few yeah. hours, right, yeah. slowly do that for a week or two. How do you feel? How's your energy? What's the scale telling you, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to play around with it, right? So for some folks, they want more of a bigger window, like a 16-8 or an 18-6 fasting schedule on the weekends. And they want to be more strict during the week because it's easier. It simplifies their life. They travel, kids, business, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then on the weekends, they want more opportunity to to experience those, to go to the, the zoo and to have sure. the brunch after church, and you know, have the date night or whatever. And then yeah. other folks want the opposite, where the weekend flubs them up, weekend warrior. <laughs> so they do more consistent, like a two meal a day, four to six hour window during the week,
1: mm-hmm. but then
0: they do their longer extended fasts on the weekends. I love fasting twenty four plus hours from dinner Saturday night until Monday. Yeah, because. I know Monday's a big busy day. I like clarity and a good night's sleep on Sunday night. So I will fast most Sundays because I wanna start my week with that increased BDNF, that increased euphoria, that increased energy yeah. to knock all of the stuff off the that's checklist awesome. and front that. load the week. So it's really customizable, but the reality is once you hit your goal, just don't open your window and go back to those old habits because that's that diving yeah. mentality.
1: Yeah. So I, I think uh, part of that, the, the nuance in the perspective is that if I, if I look at fasting as my diet, and then I look at my, my goal weight as an endpoint, then I'm very likely to, to think about it that once I hit my goal and I step on the scale and I see the number that, okay, now I can go back to the old stuff. I no longer need these tools and, and what I use to actually get me here. And then i go back to those old habits the the two three meals a day plus snacks and the trouble is it's it's not going to work out very well it's it's very easy to see this the scale tick back up then when we kind of like open that up because insulin resistance insulin sensitivity is a is a tricky thing but once once the body figures out how to store more fat and once you have a tougher time with, with some of the insulin sensitivity, it, it doesn't all just necessarily just, just go back to like how my body reacted 20 years ago, you right. know, right? <laughs> yeah. You're 20, so, 30, 40,
0: 50 pounds down. You're a completely yeah. different metabolically, a completely different person. Yeah. And there's an adaptation phase that needs to take place both physically and the mental emotional side. Yeah, you're going to yeah. get a lot more compliments. People are going to notice. They're going to ask your questions. You're going to break so the finish. first two rules of fasting. <laughs> You're going to talk about fasting, and they're like, oh, "I can't do that." Why are you starving yourself? Right. Well, you just complimented me on losing forty pounds, and I look great. Do you want <laughs> what I have, or what's what's going on here, right? So yeah, where's the disconnect? Yeah, right. There's that adaptation phase that needs to complete.
1: Let me clarify one thing. You yeah. mentioned that thirty to forty percent regain, and I just wanted to clarify one thing, yep. which would be like if you just ended a fast and you saw, let's say, you saw a big change in the scale and. So a lot of that was was water weight, the glycogen leaving, and, and maybe you burn through some fat as well. But if you saw like a three, four, five, six pound, you know, movement on the scale, it is, it's, it's typical to see, you know, 30 to 40% of that come back as you start to get back into like a more regular eating pattern after that. So I think that that helps to kind of clarify that point a little bit.
0: Yep. Love it. And the last question, just to unpack a little bit more in a minute or two from the question from Vicky. Are longer than 23 hour OMADs necessary for fat loss? The answer for mm-hmm. most people is no, unless yeah. your caloric intake has been chronically low, 800 to a thousand calories for years, mm-hmm. a chronic dieter, you know, big imbalances with food relationships, right? Bad and good foods, yeah. binging, not, we're not talking clinically diagnosed type eating disorder, binging, but just like opening up your window, overconsuming, consuming, consuming the full bag of chips, right? The guilt, it's the shame, kind of mindless, the emotion, yeah, mindless you know? stuff, and then,
1: especially in today's world. Yeah, and then feel guilty about it later.
0: Right, right. So in most cases, you can get some really great results with 23-hour OMADs, but you need to be very intentional about what you're putting in your nutrition window. You mm-hmm. need to be making sure you're getting enough quality food, prioritizing protein, healthy fats, giving yourself enough time to get satiated, right? So it just, mm-hmm. it creates more, Experience and more know how than if you vary your fasting times, right? And -hmm. you start to have different meals and not have the fear of missing out or long term restriction or, I can't eat that, right? So, OMAD can be great, but at any point in any diet you've ever done when you've tried to lose weight, you will hit the dreaded plateau. Mm hmm. So it's not OMAD that's causing you to hit the plateau, it's your habits, behaviors, and weight loss, your metabolic change that's causing you to hit the plateau. Yeah. Some things change in your lexicon in your day-to-day life or your metabolic profile or your you lose weight, your metabolic rate comes down because you're a smaller individual. Yeah, Fasting can boost that metabolic rate. What are you eating? How long have you been trying? What's your stress levels look like? What's your sleep look like? What's your hormone levels look like? What's your blood work look like? What's your relationship with your boss or husband or kids look like, right? There's so much more. So you're going to hit a certain point where your weight stalls, but that doesn't mean what you've been doing isn't working or isn't going to continue to work. There's just so many factors. So if we're going to try to black and white our way there, that's dieting. That's a dieting mentality and that's not what we want. So I'm going to encourage if that relates to anyone. Vicky, to, to really question why these questions matter to you.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: What are you, what are you pushing back on and why? Just like my, my three and a half year old. But why, but why, but, but why, why, but why, but why, <laughs> but why, but why, but why, but why? But why does it work for one and not the other, but why? So yeah. I know it's kind of a little abstract answer, but no matter how you choose to lose weight, fasting or not, you're going to hit that point where the, the weight stalls. For a various amount of reasons. And what is your plan when that happens? And why is that holding you back from taking the necessary actions today to get and in, tap into those those long term results with that long term plan?
1: Yeah. You know, also, if you've been doing OMAD for a long time, when was the last time you did two meals on a day? You know, just open it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Because, right. Which is because, related
0: to the Maria question. Right. For well, sure.
1: Absolutely. Because, because, if you've if you've ever done long term caloric restriction, you've ever like kept restricting, like okay, well, I guess I'll just reduce it by another 100 calories or another 200 calories because that's really the only lever that you have to pull at that point. And then maybe the scale moves a little bit more before it just stops again. But then at that point, you're you're just not really sure what to do. Well, in in the same vein, if I'm you know consistently doing OMAD and I just keep shrinking that or shrinking what's on my plate at that point. And that, that's kind of the opposite problem be, from what can happen during dinner OMAD, which is that the the window can kind of get later and later and stay open for longer and longer. But if you just keep restricting that OMAD down, then that that's not gonna be helpful. Your your body's gonna be throwing up red flags, like, hey, food's scarce, you know? And if if I'm not actually able to tap into my fat stores because insulin hasn't been coming down for whatever reason, maybe it's what I have on my plate or I'm eating really super late, Right. or I'm, I'm very sedentary at the same time. All of these things can, can throw up red flag signals to right. the body. So being willing to throw in an occasional two meals a day, even though I really want the weight to come off, right. can feel counterintuitive. It can feel a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but it can be exactly what I need from time to time right? right? To, to keep yeah. things going.
0: That's really good perspective. Really, really Thanks. good perspective. So as we wrap up today, Annette's question, right? the grazing, the building up to longer fasts, The weekend warrior, the increasing Mm. your workouts, the white knuckling, right? The, well, what does maintenance truly look like? And does OMAD work? Doesn't it work? Why does it work for me? Why doesn't it work for me? Mm. We want to encourage you that going through these repetitions is all part of that process. So appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you being in on this journey with us. If you're looking for more guidance, go grab the new blueprint to fasting for fat loss. It's in the show notes. You can click the link. And if you want more support you want to join the conversation, we also have a community on Facebook, the fasting for life community. You can come. All things fasting are required, meaning you don't have to worry about the first two rules of fasting, which are don't (laughs) talk about fasting and don't talk about fasting. You're in a group with like-minded individuals. It's a private group. Answer the questions. Let us know how we can help. Come join the conversation, get your question answered, grab the blueprint, and know that fasting can be the solution for you, Tommy. So, as we wrap up Love today, it. appreciate the conversation. Appreciate you all for submitting questions. Appreciate you all for listening. Uh, grateful that you've chosen to make us part of your fasting and lifestyle journey. Yes, thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Tommy. Cool. Thank you. See ya.
1: So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on
0: iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.